You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to discuss Jamar Chase's talking points as he was peppered by the media with questions about his ongoing battle with drops as he gets used to the new football, the slightly differently sized football of the NFL. We've also got some news to catch you up on. The Bengals have named their team captains and there's some new names in the mix. Mike Daniels returns to the team. He's on the practice squad and we get an update on Trey Wayne's injury. We'll talk about how that injury will impact week one. Let's get started, though, with Jamar Chase James. He addressed the media today. He was asked quite a bit about the drops. He pointed to a number of reasons. Which of those reasons do you buy the most? The concentration aspect of it. So him looking downfield and taking his eyes off the football as the ball is hitting his hands. I think that's that was the issue against Miami. He was thinking, all right, I know there's going to be a defender here. I'm going to break this tackle and take it and, and get a first down and celebrate. And because that's what he did in college. And so that's the one where I just, I think to me, he, when you look back at all these drops and you look back at, again, we talked about this during OTAs. It's just a concentration thing where he's thinking about doing something afterwards, you know, after the catch or whatever the case is. I mean, sometimes he's dropping these on air. So I don't think it's the defender, which we've talked about. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think it's something he can fix. And part of it might be because he's been gone for a year. But uh, you're right. He offered up a bunch of different, uh, not excuses, reasons. And uh, he's certainly working on him. Which one are you buying? I don't know. Uh, I'll ask me in like three weeks. That, that's how I <laughs> felt about this from the yeah. start. Right. Every time this has come up, I feel like I've been very consistent and said, ask me a week in, or, or a month into the regular season and, and we'll see what the issue is. Uh, we talked with Joe Goodberry yesterday on the podcast. If you missed that, go check it out. That's yesterday's episode. We talk about his optimism for this season and some general questions and answers that he's expecting to see in 2021. And when we were talking afterwards, we talked about hand technique on some of those in breaking routes, James and, that mm -hmm. is something I would like to see corrected. And, you know, I feel like we talked about it before, but pretty much if you're watching on YouTube, you have your bottom hand open and your top hand kind of as a backstop. You're seeing him use a lot of this instead of getting his hands flipped and, and, you know, doing the whole triangle football in the triangle thing that you see coached a lot. And he's still doing that in practice when he's catching the ball. I want to see if that continues to be a trend and, and see if that is something that continues to be a problem. I think that opens you up to passes getting broken up and knocked away. It, it reduces your ability to catch the ball away from your body. And the reason that I'm not really concerned about it is because he's so good downfield. Like, you know, the ball skills are there. It's probably a small technique change or consistency thing on these in breakers. So slants, digs, the timing patterns that we saw him have issues with in the preseason. And then I, I have no real explanation for dropping a screen pass. I mean, that's got to be trying to move before you have the ball. But the, the thing is, he's putting in the work, right? And, and this has been, again, what I feel like we've said every time we've talked about this. He talked about 
catching tennis balls every day. And that's something that Troy Walters, a wide receiver coach, has also talked about. You see him stay after work with the jugs machine a ton. You see him stay after and get extra reps in with Joe, who's known for keeping guys accountable. And actually, Jamar Chase talked about that a little bit and talked about Joe Burrow's presence in practice and the impact that can have and how that's changed a little bit with his injury this preseason. Yeah, for sure. It, I, I think Joe was, wasn't as vocal and, and Chase pointed that out early on when, when Burrow was waking his way back from that injury. And honestly, Jake, I think that Burrow's entire situation coming back from the injury, doing what he's had to do to get back on the field struggling early in camp all of that stuff is just such a good example for jamar of how quickly the the page can flip and things can flip and turn um in and you can kind of just oh he's back and that's the thing and i think jamar knows this and he seemed fully confident by the way but if he goes out there and he has eight catches for 110 yards and a touchdown against the vikings and no drops the drop issues are done even if there is a, a drop the drop issues aren't going to be it, – it's not a topic anymore. And suddenly it's, oh, man, Jamar Chase is a wide receiver one in fantasy football week one. How long will this take, you know, or how long will this uh, be a topic, right? And it'll be, oh, well, how good can this Bengals offense be with Jamar Chase leading the – you know, it, it completely changes. And this narrative can go away starting Sunday if he plays the way they drafted him to play because none of those plays mattered, and it's the same thing for Burrow, right? None of those early camp struggles matter as long as you get past them. And that's the example. That's the thing that I think sets the tone. And it's funny, we talk about all this post-practice work. Joe Burrow got in post-practice work and we got to see it. No, I couldn't take video. Deep balls, baby, with Jamar Chase and some of the other receivers. And uh, Jamar really working on catching with his hands. None of these balls that I saw we're near his body at all. I mean, out away if you're watching on YouTube, he's catching it away. And uh, I think that uh, that does bode well as he continues to work on those hands. And, and like I said, he's always been mostly quite good at the downfield stuff. If you go back and watch a national championship game, which I did recently, he is fantastic on everything except for, I think there's one deep drop where his hands are just in the wrong place. But outside of that, downfield he's willing to attack the ball in the air he's he's great with late hands frequently and and generally the ball tracking is is very good and burrow has so many just bucket throws to jamar chase in that game and that's what if you're skeptical right now if you have doubts right now go watch the first half of the national championship game from 2019 the last time these two guys played together and you'll see that pinpoint accuracy from Burrow, the the downfield ability, the ball tracking, the ability to beat an NFL corner and AJ Terrell from Jamar Chase. And you might be feeling a little bit better about it because both of those guys played absolutely fantastic football in that game. And James, to your point, extra work on the deep ball. You talked to Zach Taylor about this on Monday as well. This is something you and I have talked about and have wondered where is the deep ball work? We were told all off season, this is a point of emphasis and we kept waiting to see it. And Oh, there's a deep ball. There's one, there's two, there's a handful. And it hadn't been that point of emphasis we expected. And we speculated, maybe they're just waiting until you guys can't watch the entirety of practices. And it sounds like that perhaps was indeed the case. It does. Uh, I asked Zach and the, the reason I asked him, it's not like I saw something in practice that was out of the ordinary 
for that open media portion uh, of Monday's session, but it was the post-practice work. And I'm like, oh, these guys are running deep routes. Burrow's on the field. Brandon Allen was still on the field. Like, what, what's going on here? So I figured I'd ask. And it turns out that, yeah, it seems like more of an emphasis has been placed on the deep ball in recent weeks. Were they just waiting for us to not be available? Who knows? I think what the Bengals would say is that they were letting these guys get their legs under them so they could avoid some of the soft tissue injuries. And uh, look, this team has to be more explosive downfield. They know that. Zach knows that. He attributed some of their early season deep ball struggles last year to lack of a preseason and and the fact that they came back from a a weird COVID virtual year and they didn't want to do really any downfield stuff because of soft tissue injury. So we're going to see that starting Sunday. Is that the case? Is it humming the way it should be? Is it in sync the way it should be? And uh, certainly when I asked him, because I followed up about Burrow, he says Burrow's deep ball looks good. And so hopefully we see, you know, a couple Burrow to, to Chase, a couple Burrow to Higgins, because uh, I think those will be the, the two downfield threats that we see most uh, most of the time this year. How about CJ Uzama and Asim? Like that first touchdown pass, although that wasn't Asim, <laughs> but I, I think this is going to be something that we see. There's actually, we saw a few yeah. vertical shots to tight ends in that last preseason game. Maybe we'll see Jamar Chase put Patrick Peterson on his highlight tape, which is another quote a little bit of locker room chalkboard material that Jamar gave Patrick Peterson, his LSU comrade and in his press conference today. We'll see if we get any of that as well. Coming up next, James, let's get into the news. Um, Captains, Mike Daniels news and Trey Wayne's updates. That's coming up next. We're talking about week one of the regular season of the 2021 NFL season and bet online remains the best spot for you to bet on all the pro and college football action this season. You can get real-time updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, all open now at betonline.ag. When you go to the website and sign up today, you're going to get a 100 percent welcome bonus when you sign up with promo code locked on they've also got an opening day super promo if you bet on the tampa buccaneers dallas cowboys game even if you lose that bet up to 25 dollars will be refunded and that's only if you use promo code nfl 100 go check it out at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts Locked on Bengals is happy to announce that we've partnered with Rivertown Inquiry and Apparel. If you haven't heard of them, and you probably have if you're from Cincinnati, you need to check them out right now because they offer high-quality T-shirts just in time for the start of football season. And they got plenty of different Cincinnati football gear that you should check out, plus a ton of other stuff. And look, there's nothing worse then opening up your drawer and having dated shirts or shirts that haven't held up over time or just stuff that you don't want to wear anymore. Rivertown Inquiry and Apparel has plenty that you're going to want to wear. So make sure you check them out right now at rivertowninquiry.com. They've been in business since 2013. And if you live in Cincinnati or you're visiting to check out the Bengals, you can check them out in person by just going to Oakley. It's 10 minutes from downtown, 3096 Madison Road. They're open every day of the week, 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 5 on Saturday, 
11 to 4 on Sunday. Stop wasting money on shirts that will be dated or dingy by the end of the season. Go to Rivertown Inquiry and Apparel to buy something you will love wearing season after season. And you can shop online now with promo code LOCKEDON10 and you're going to get 10% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON10 for 10% off at rivertowninquiry.com. This is really exciting. This particular sponsor, James, I can't wait. I'm going to go when I'm in town. The next time I'm in Cincinnati, I'm going to go check it out, get myself a shirt. That's, that's cool stuff. The Cincinnati Bengals have named their captains for the 2021 season, James. And one thing that I, I'm pretty sure we discussed this at some point was who will the new captains be because they lost some. They lost four, in fact, from 2020 as A.J. Green has departed, Sean Williams has departed, Giovanni Bernard has departed, and Josh Bynes also no longer with the team. Some of the captains are repeats. Joe Burrow returns as a captain. Von Bell, a captain again. Kevin Huber, a captain again. But Tyler Boyd replaces A.J. Green as a receiver for receiver swap as he's the new captain in 2021. Jesse Bates takes over Sean Williams' captaincy as the second safety to join Von Bell. Joe Mixon has gained Giovanni Bernard's captain title as he is now the elder statesman in the running backs room, which is quite a a rise for Joe Mixon, I would say, from the character questions he had coming into the league to winning a team captain title as voted by his teammates in 2021. Good Good for Joe. And finally, Sam Hubbard replaces Josh Bynes on the defensive side as the Bengals' final captain for the 2021 season. And all of these make a whole lot of sense. These are the guys that you would imagine to be the leaders on this team. And it is a young group outside of the ageless Kevin Huber. It is. It's a a very young group. I mean, think about Jesse Bates and Joe Burrow, both 24 years old. Sam Hubbard, just a little older. I think he's like 26. You know, Joe Mixon's a young pup, relatively speaking. But a lot of these guys have the experience. and, And that's the part of it. I mean, Jesse Bates carries himself like he's a 10 year vet and he's only entering year four. But he's, you know, young to 24 years old. You're a four-year NFL player. But, uh, no, I think they got it right. I I don't know if there's really any surprises. I guess if there would be one, at least a little, it would be Joe Mixon. But then you think to all the times he's cheering all of his teammates on, you look at the other skill players in that room, and T. Higgins is young. Jamar Chase, obviously young. If you're going to go with a skill guy, it would probably be him. My only other thing you know does Riley Reef sneak in there but you know that's a quick turnaround considering he wasn't on the team last year so uh, I'm, I'm not questioning the mix and call I just think it's uh it's interesting that's all but uh, yeah it's uh it's quite a group and the best I, th- I think it's basically the best players right the guys that have been around here the longest and that are the most talented expected to make the the biggest impact definitely the the most established you you could say in in some yeah. ways out of those guys you, you could make an argument for CJ Uzama Potentially, if you wanted to go skill guy, that's a guy that's got a huge personality. But so does Joe. As far as we know, he doesn't show it as much with the media, but he does certainly show it with fans. And he is the number one hype man on the sideline in the locker room. So so you can see it makes sense that way. I guess you're right. It is a little surprising. There's not a single offensive lineman here. There's only one defensive lineman. So, you know, they're, they're secondary heavy with two safeties and 
you got some skill guys out there, but we'll see how they play. It doesn't really matter, of course. I mean, these are the guys that are the leaders of the team and, and they're going to be who they're going to be. It doesn't matter that there's not an offensive lineman. It's just interesting. You think back and there's a long history in Cincinnati, at least before 2016, of offensive linemen being being captains on this team. And maybe Jonah Williams eventually grows into this role. Yeah. Here's my hope. And and there's no reason to think this won't be the case, but my hope is that there aren't four new captains next year. Uh, I'm looking for these guys to return. Like like I said last year, a lot of those guys are no longer with the team. Let's get these guys coming back and and some continuity at captain because that means that the good players on this team are still good players on this team in 2022. The other news of the day, James, Mike Daniels, a massive fan favorite, has returned to the Bengals via the practice squad or via the practice squad. Bengalorian question whether it was a via guy or a via guy the other day on Twitter, James. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm really not sure. But Mike Daniels back with the team to make room for him. Winston Rose was waived. I guess that's a bit surprising, but we also heard Darren Simmons wax poetic about Tony Brown's skill on a special team. So maybe that's just, you know, if they're going to keep a corner on the squad, then they keep the guy that they like more for special teams. And maybe it's that simple. Yeah. You know, maybe it is that simple. And that's, that's the thing when you're, you're talking about bringing a guy back like Mike Daniels and you lose a little bit of cornerback depth in an area that look, we we're going to talk about Trey Wayne's injury coming up. It, it clearly, there was a, a difference in Rose's value and how they looked at him. And I love bringing in Daniels as a depth piece because of what we saw last year, right? Injuries just snowballed in that defensive line room. And if you if you had lost Daniels, and you still might, right? I mean, if there's an injury to Tampa Bay or someone and they call Mike Daniels, he's probably more than willing, right, to, to go there. At the same time, having him in your organization, seeing him at, at practice on Monday, knowing the type of leader he is, he's never going to be a captain. But he is a leader, I think, and he leads by example, uh, I think it's good for Cam Sample to see him. It's good for Tyler Shelvin to see him. Guys like that um, that are, are coming up and trying to to make an impact in year one. So uh, I think it was a, a good move to bring him back. I was iffy on whether or not he would want to come back on the practice squad. I knew the Bengals were interested in it, and they were able to get it done. Uh, that's probably what took it so long, right? He was probably seeing if there was an offer out there yeah. that was persuasive enough for him to – to leave because by all accounts, he does very much like Cincinnati. He's, you know, been effusive in his praise of Joe Burrow since he first met Joe Burrow and the, the Aaron Rodgers comparisons have been there. And if he truly believes that, then, you know, it, it would make some sense for him to want to be a part of the Bengals. We'll see how long it lasts. We'll see, like you said, if, if you know, there's some interest in, from some other teams and we'll see how that plays out. Something we won't see in week one is Trey Waynes. Unfortunately, he remains unavailable for his 17th straight regular season game, much to the chagrin of Bengals fans everywhere. In his place will be Eli Apple starting with, I assume, Darius Phillips backing up and maybe Nick McLeod, the waiver claim, backing up as well. Remember that name? I hardly do. He is, however, on the Bengals' 53-man roster. (laughs) And uh, look, we're going to have to talk about how this is going to impact the game. Minnesota does boast some weapons. 
I know Bengals fans are really mm-hmm. excited about what the Bengals have at the skill positions. Minnesota has a pretty terrifying trio as well. And we're going to talk about the impact of Trey Wayne's absence coming up next. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto, we've talked about it forever on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, it feels like, because they'll save you time and money. And we're about saving our listeners time and money. Don't spend 30, 50, 100% more on the same parts from the car dealership when you can get them from the comfort of your own home by going to rockauto.com and typing 1998 Honda Accord and the part you need into their very easy to use website. I I say 1998 Honda Accord because I drove one for like 15 years and it's a great reliable vehicle, but let's see, that was uh, quite a long time ago now. Maybe you need some replacement parts. Their parts are, their prices, I should say, are reliably low for every every customer. So go check them out again at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends, cousins, sisters, log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simpler way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and you can get your TV together in one spot. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, the show you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no more catching tennis balls like Jamar Chase, no need to buy another device ever again. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. James, speaking of uh, packages, I wonder what kind of offensive packages we're going to see from Minnesota in week one. This is a team that was largely a two-receiver you know, they, they like to put their tight ends on the field. They like to keep the defense in their base defense. And I'm not really sure what we're going to see this year. New offensive coordinator in Minnesota, but certainly there's this trio. And you go look at PFF, the first three names that show up when you look at the highest graded Minnesota Vikings on offense are Justin Jefferson. And everybody knows how fantastic his rookie year was. And He's got a side bet going with Jamar Chase this week, and we're all rooting for Jamar Chase to win that bet because if Jamar Chase has a better game than Justin Jefferson, things are probably going well for the Bengals. Dalvin Cook is number two when you look at PFF's top-graded offensive players from Minnesota last year. He had a 90 rushing grade last year, one of the best runners in the league, as Sam Hubbard pointed out on uh, Monday And Adam Thielen, easy to forget if you don't see the NFC North very often, a very, very good receiver as well. Maybe you don't play a lot of fantasy football and you're blissfully ignorant of Adam Thielen's existence. And of course, they'll be quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins, who with that offensive line will be the question mark. But the question really is, can Eli Apple handle... Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. And if Minnesota does keep the Bengals in their base defense, which I think you can expect, you're going to see a lot of Dalvin cook. You're going to see some CJ Ham, the 
fullback. That's right. Minnesota rosters a fullback to go with only two running backs on the roster, by the way, only five receivers on the roster. And if that's the case, that means that Mike Hilton, one of the Bengals' big free agent acquisitions, doesn't get on the field. And that threat of the slot blitz is less present. And it also means that Eli Apple, well, it's, it's you and it's, and it's Chidobe Awuzie against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And that doesn't even get into the running game yet. But let's start with these weapons. Without Trey Waynes, we haven't seen anything from Eli Apple yet, right? We know the coaches are pleased with him and, and like him enough that he's our second corner. But I don't know what to expect there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the coaches say, I think they think they know what to expect, which to me is hard because you're right. It's not like he's practiced a ton. We haven't seen him this preseason. And even even so, what a challenge it's going to be to try to contain this group. I mean, Thielen is just a red zone monster. He had like a down year last year and he still had 14 touchdowns. Didn't top the 1,000 yard mark. But anytime the Vikings are in the red zone, pay attention to Thielen because that's where Kirk Cousins is looking. And obviously Justin Jefferson, record setting year. And Eli Apple now, a guy that, we were talking about maybe losing the fourth corner job to to Darius Phillips when he signed and kind of battling for that. Now he's your number two. That's that's scary. You know, when you're talking about going up against the league's best receivers. Um, that being said, and we don't know about Waynes, we don't know how good he would be. I love the revenge game type feel, right? If he was out there, but how big is the drop off really? Waynes had a good camp. Eli Apple had a good camp when he was out there. Both have dealt with their injury issues. And so that that's the the part of it where we don't know. We don't know how big of a drop-off it, it is because we haven't really seen Wayne. So since we don't know, I think it, it's going to come down to safety play to a degree. Can you have Bates cover as much ground as possible, try to limit these guys, and really slow down the ground game? Because if that ground game gets going, Kirk Cousins will get the play action, and then good luck. Right. It's going to be really tough to slow down this Vikings offense. Well, and that's where maybe we know more about what they lose, where Trey Waynes is expected to be a very good run defender. This is something that we talked about yeah. being one of Trey Wayne's strengths since the Bengals signed him. And we didn't really like the the allocation of resources at the time. But he, he is still being paid to be your starting corner and he does do some things well. And the one thing, well, two things that he does really well, he runs really, really fast and he's very good against the run. He's a good tackler. He plays well. He plays a physical game and for a wide zone team, which Minnesota still will be with Dalvin cook, your corners probably get a little bit more involved in run defense. And instead it will be Eli Apple's turn to step up and play well out there. And there are some injuries that they're dealing with on the Minnesota offensive line. We'll talk to Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings later this week, and we'll really get into this some more. But Rashad Hill is currently slated to start at left tackle for the Vikings with Christian Derrissaw dealing with the injuries that the rookie, their, their first round draft pick. I don't know anything about Rashad Hill. Brian O'Neill will start for them at right tackle. So, where the Bengals are strong is up the middle. And if you had to pick a strength of this Minnesota offensive line, I would say it's also up the middle where Garrett Bradbury, uh, Ezra Cleveland, and Ole Udo 
are anchoring things. And Udo has a checkered history, but apparently if you listen to Vikings, fan, he had a very, very strong camp. So there's a strength on strength matchup, I think in the middle of the offensive defensive line when the Bengals defense is on the field. And then I, I'm not really sure yet about Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, but this is a good matchup for them. So we'll see. I suspect that Dalvin Cook will be able to run the ball. And this is going to be a major factor in the game. Can Minnesota run the football? Can they get their play action game going? Can they keep the Bengals honest? Can they stay ahead of the chains? Mm -hmm. And not having Trey Waynes plays into that because you do lose a very quality run defender on the edge of your defense, on the perimeter of your defense. And I think the other thing is Mike Hilton is expected to play a big role in that area as well. And just from a personnel perspective, from a, from a package perspective, to go back to the, the start of this segment, you're going you're gonna to see less of Mike Hilton in this game than you would in some other games this year. Yeah, and, and, and so that's the thing. And you're right. To me, the ends, we know Sam Hubbard's good against the run. You know, can Trey Hendrickson do that? Plus, get heat on Kirk Cousins at times. These linebackers are going to be tested from the jump. I think back to week two last year specifically, Jermaine Pratt got busted in the run game, and so did a lot of those other guys. But I just remember Pratt, and he was going up against Andy Janovich of the Browns, and Janovich was just popping him and popping him and popping him. And uh, those those Browns' backs ran wild, right, Chubb and Hunt. And they're going to try to do that. The Vikings are with Cook. And you mentioned they use the fullback and ham. That's going to be part of it. So the linebackers tested early. I mean, this is a tough test. They've looked good. This defense as a unit, I think, has looked pretty damn good in camp. They looked okay in the preseason, pretty good in the preseason, I would say, on limited snaps, which is normal. Can they just be competent against a, a pretty solid Vikings offense, but a big three in the Vikings offense? And it starts with slowing down Cook. Because if Cook beats you, then you're not forcing Kirk Cousins to beat you. And I would much rather try to force Kirk Cousins to beat you than vice versa, where you're letting one of the best running backs in the NFL run wild, right? And that's that's a much, much, much easier said than done because let's be honest here, Mike Zimmer, he's all about defense and running the ball. And, and that's something they're going to try to establish early and often on Sunday against the Bengals. Man, it's exciting to talk about a week one matchup. I will say I agree with you. I'd rather Kirk Cousins have to beat me than Dalvin Cook. But the key to this is you need Kirk Cousins to have to beat you in a you know they have to pass it situation, in a pure sure. passing situation. If Minnesota, we talked about game script a ton last year and, and just like Bengals getting behind the chains, getting out of their game plan, being forced to just throw it, throw it, throw it goes both ways, right? If Kirk Cousins is in a pure passing situation, that's where his effectiveness will start to fall off. If Kirk Cousins gets to, you know, disguise things, go off a of play action, have the Bengals on their heels, not knowing run pass, then Kirk Cousins can be very effective with these wide receivers and with Dalvin Cook even as a receiving weapon as well. The good news, I guess we can mention here is, if you would take it this way, is that Chris Herndon and not uh, Irv Smith, who was having a really fine preseason for the Vikings at tight end, will be starting at tight end. Irv Smith lost for the season, I believe, for the Vikings, unfortunately. So at least when you talk about the linebackers being challenged early, James, they won't be challenged by a guy who looked potentially primed to break out at the tight end position in week one. 
It's really exciting to talk about week one, James. We have the full week to do it. We're going to get our first crossover of the week later this week. We're going to have our first regular season game preview of the year. And with the regular season back, if you're a longtime listener of Lockdown Bengals, you know that our midweek mailbag is back. That means tomorrow. Look for the at Lockdown Bengals Twitter handle to put out a prompt for questions. We will take your questions for tomorrow's episode for the Locked On Bengals midweek mailbag, the first one of the 2021 season. And man, we're, we're excited for that too. Been a while since we had a good old-fashioned mailbag. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.